Okay, wake up in the morning and I go and get the paper. Gotta get the paper. Every morning gotta go and get the paper. And a nice cup of coffee. Hey Geek fans, today we're talking about R-rated Wolverine, DC's Rebirth, and celebrating 24 years of Image Comics. Hey Central Michigan University, this is Ben Solis. I'm Malachi Barrett. And I'm Tyler Guzzi. You sounded kind of unsure there, buddy. Malachi Barrett. <laughs> Baby. Welcome to the 6 o'clock news. Maybe we're the raving geeks? Babies with two heads? Five heads. A zoo escaped from the panda. And a severed <laughs> head was found in the radio shaft. <laughs> this week in weather. Whoa. Hey, we are the Raving Geeks. Welcome back, guys. We have a wonderful show for you. We are doing a lot of stuff, but uh, as always, we have to begin with uh, giving some fan service. Malachi, we got some shout-outs to give. Oh, yeah. We? Welcome to the Twitter fam. Scott Snyder, of all people, yes. followed us last week after our episode. Basically because I mass-tweeted, hey... We're doing a thing about Scott Snyder and included his Twitter basically, handle. You basically stood out in front of his lawn and shouted at him until he came outside to say hello. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, what, just, five, five tags? He just kind of waved us away. Five Twitter tags. But, uh, but we slipped into his DMs, right? What did he say? Uh, you know, I, I may have scooted in there. Uh, haven't heard anything back, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your lead and just be super annoying. I yeah, think. he said he liked the episode, though. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Cool. Nothing on Capullo, you dirty rat. Yeah, Where are you at? Not I'm not. Following. I'm. I'm not going to say anything mean about Capullo because that's <laughs> not a guy I want showing up on I'm my doorstep. Yeah. We also got Susan Bennett, who is the voice of Siri, no, this to is follow legit, us. Right? This is legit. Yeah, this is the actual voice of Siri on your iPhone. Wow. So that's pretty cool. I guess. And let's, and let's not forget Danny DeVito the other day. Like, yeah, De- Danny DeVito. Yeah. Oh, okay. that robot. <laughs> that's yeah, good yeah. enough. That's fair yeah. enough. Uh, also, we got Jake Schmitter. Welcome to the fam. Tyler's brother, Nolan. Yeah, Nolan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Nolan. Charles. Charles Miles. Sorry. Charles Miles. Blew that up for a minute. His name's Chuck. I know him, too. Chuck Miles. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Max Enbill. Uh, Audrey Inwood. Our very own Jordan Hermony. Yep. Uh, Adrian Hedden, the man, the myth, the legend. Yep. Esteemed colleague of ours. Yep. He's uh, he's leaving Mount Pleasant this weekend, yep. man. This is, this is the last uh, swan song of Hedden last night. We got ourselves a $7 steak at Marty's. Recommended if anybody's into that kind of thing. Get like yourself steak. a baked potato. You get a side. You get a nice steak. Seven fifty. Is that that happened last night or does it happen tonight? Oh, we did that last night. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah. So is he on a plane right now? Uh, he flies out at like four, I think. Wow. So okay. by the time this comes out, he'll be gone. This is this is for Adrian Hedden. Big ups, buddy. Also, yep. we have. Well, also we have an old CM Life alumni, uh, Andrew Dooley. Yep. The the dual man. I grew up with him. No one calls him that. He's from my he's from my neighborhood, man. Yeah, I went to high school guy. with him. I don't think I've ever actually met him, but I've heard tale of a Dooley or two. He's an interesting character. Yeah, very smart, very strange, right up our alley. Speaking of smart and strange, we also have John Forrest. John Forrest, who's a buddy of mine, right? Mm-hmm. Who actually gave me my recommendation when we get to later. This guy is like the penultimate nerd. He makes us look like like fakes in comparison. In fact, I want him on the show one of these days. He's he's fantastic. So, John, buddy, this is for you. So, welcome, guys. Uh, we're gonna get right into it. So after Deadpool came out, which, which who have you guys seen? I still haven't seen. I have seen it. I had a wonderful Thanksgiving date with my girlfriend. She took me. She went and worked in the morning. Thanksgiving or Valentine's Day. Day. Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> Dude, yeah. yeah. Same thing. You know, the the break got me. Um, she went and worked in the morning, and then came home and took me to Taco Bell for dinner. We had a nice romantic <laughs> day at Taco fancy. Bell, and then went and saw Deadpool, and it was the greatest Valentine's Day I think that she and I have had together. What really more needs to be said at this point? We all know it was great, pleasing was. on every level. But unfortunately, due to the success of an R-rated film, which I think is one of the highest-grossing R-rated films of all time, 135 million, man. No, it's more than that now. Is well, oh, I mean, that was, was the first. The first. Their opening yeah. weekend was yeah, might have been that, but I think they're up million. 135. I think they're up to like 280 now or something like that, which wow. is insane. It's 
Uh, so, Guardians of the Galaxy guy, what was what's his name again? James Gunn. James Gunn got on Facebook. He got on the Facebook the other day. Uh, and and he, if you don't follow James Gunn on any social, he is the best person to follow on social media. Really? He, he's he's pretty very, funny on Twitter. does a lot of AMAs. Yeah, you know, very outspoken, gives you lots of updates and cool. stuff. So he was bemoaning the fact that Hollywood is basically going to take this the wrong way and uh, decide that everything kind of needs to be really hyper violent and rated R now. And in the wake of that, we've seen the Wolverine. Uh, part three, whatever they're going to call it. Yep. I guess they haven't come up with a title. The, yet. the working title is Wa- is Juarez right now. Juarez, yeah. Juarez. Mm-hmm. It's so, supposed to be kind of an old man Logan story, apparently. Yeah, which uh, is and be, that's going to be rated R, which might be difficult. We'll talk about that probably at a later date. What's going to be difficult? Well, the fact that there's so many Marvel characters that aren't going to show up in that movie. Mark Mark Millar himself came out and said that it can be done. He's like, he's just, he's like, when he wrote it, he was just like, oh, I need a character that can do this. Oh, that character can do this. So he's like, he didn't really plan out those characters there. Just kind of like, as he was writing it, he just threw people Interesting. in. Interesting. So he said that it could be rewritten. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, hmm. that's left to be seen. And also, the Batman v Superman extended cut, director's cut, is supposed to be rated R as well. Yeah, and I don't even know how I feel about this too. I mean, I have my own reservations on this thing. Kind of just backtracking a little bit, like yeah. you know, these these hero movies. Obviously, there's always an avenue for getting deeper, darker, uh, more violent, but not only that, but just heavier, heavier themes, right? That usually will entail a necessitated R rating. Um, but where where does it end? I mean, I can I can see Old Man Logan. I can see anything that they do with that needing. Well, well look, I mean, I, you need R. you need a rated R Wolverine movie at some point sure. because the the bloodless stabbing that happened in the Wolverine. Uh, you know, the best scene in that movie was when the Yakuza like attacked that funeral. Yeah. No blood, and it was very sanitized. I mean, the only yeah. the only time that you know, we've seen Wolverine in the movies like be like visceral attacking guys is during X two when they yeah. break into the mansion and he's again like, help yeah the best part of that movie too you <laughs> know so for a character with knives on his hands that literally stabs and slashes people and I'm kind of flailing like a kitty cat but that's basically what he does bub uh, <laughs> you need to see some blood probably. So yeah. I, I can understand that. But does Batman v Superman really need an R rating? See, I don't know, man. My, my, here's my gripe with this, right? Um, when, you, when you have a studio, right, that controls every aspect of the production, I understand that there's a need for a director's cut because there's sometimes a, a, a feeling that what came out in the theatrical cut was not the original vision, right? In something like Batman v Superman, I mean, Snyder has carte blanche, Terrio has carte blanche to do basically whatever they wanted. And they did do whatever they wanted. So for them to release a director's cut anyway kind of seems counterintuitive. I mean, maybe added scenes, yada, yada, whatever. But to do something completely, like push it even the envelope even further to add more violence, more heavy themes, it's like, why didn't that show up in the movie in the first place? Well, and it's very, you know, we're speculating, so we don't really know what's yeah. going to push it to the R rating. But The so, Dark Knight was incredibly dark and and had some violence to it and they got away with a lot for a pg-13 rating i don't necessarily need to see uh, a battering like slit somebody's throat or something like that or like the joker like rape somebody or something like like, superman disembowel somebody yeah no not really i mean what do you think tyler i mean if you were to ask me what my my thought behind this whole thing is i'm thinking they went and they made the movie they wanted to make okay they went they went to the people that i don't know what the committee's called that rates the movies and they're like hey rate our movie and they're like hey this is r yeah. but sometimes to get from an r to a pg-13 is like this scene where you show blood spatter cut it five seconds into that and don't show so much blood spatter and that makes a pg-13 it's literally like those so minute details. it might just be something like you know 
because they were saying for a while there when they first thought Deadpool was going to be PG-13 that they filmed an R-rated, you know, they were filming the movie to be R and then they were told to cut it. And that way, if they could never get that PG-13 rating, they had the PG-13 version or if they could get that R, they could get the R. I mean, looking at Deadpool, yeah, it was an R-rated thing, but if you ask me, that movie could have also gotten away with being PG-13. You just take out some of the swearing and the, the and, the, and the nudity, and that you could you could take that to a PG thirteen rating. I mean, the violence you saw guys get shot, but you don't show like the headshots and all that stuff. And you know, like he, you know, and there's he's got his swords, but for the most part, the sword stuff, except for like one scene that I think of, really wasn't too bloody anytime he used his sword. Well, no. if it's such an arbitrary difference between PG thirteen and R. That really makes the case to me that they decided to do this because Deadpool was an R-rated movie and was successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's always going to happen. I mean, Westerns used to be the thing, and everyone made Westerns. That went away. And now superhero movies are the same. Now everyone's making a superhero thing. You know, And right now the hot thing is R-rated superhero movies. Yeah. And, let's, and let's not kid ourselves here. I mean, Deadpool is far from the first R-rated superhero movie we've got, or <laughs> comic book movie in general. Blade. You've got Blade. you got uh, Crow. I mean, Watchmen was Kick-ass. rated R. Kick-Ass. Kick. Watchmen's rated R? Uh, the, uh, a version of it probably was. I was just yeah. saying, yeah, I would hope that that movie is rated R for I one. I seem to recall that being PG-13. It might, it might, in the theatrical, and it, that's what I'm saying, it might be something like The Watchmen, where yeah, the theatrical version was PG-13. They were like, hey, this is the version of the movie that we made, and it's rated R. You can buy that on DVD. It wouldn't surprise me, strictly for monetary value, if you can go, hey, you can buy the PG-13 Blu-ray, or you can buy the R-ray Blu-ray. And yeah. I'm just going to say, me... I'll, if I had a choice, I'm going to pick the R one. Do I need it? No. But do I want it? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, those Punisher movies, I think the second one, Warzone, probably yeah, had Warzone an R was version. R. Yeah. yeah. So, that, I mean, there's a president for that. Speaking of the Punisher, uh, the reviews for the second season of Daredevil are out. Oh, my God. And this thing's going to be dropping pretty soon. I'm not sure the exact date. Um, but it's going to be a big kind of like couple of months for Netflix, too, because House of Cards is coming up. But we got two really good trailers, like, you know, feature length like they were both like three or four minutes long first impressions tyler what do you think about it i want every single other movie studio to look at this trailer and take notes this trailer was what what do we say two minutes and 14 something seconds long and then they had another one that was two minutes and 14 seconds long granted it's a 10 hour 13 hour tv series but i still don't know a lot i mean you got to see quite a bit of the Punisher, but did, did you really get to see the Punisher in action or anything? It was all just him holding the gun. He threw a punch here and there. The line that made that trailer for me was when he's like, you are just one bad day away from being me. Yeah. And I was just like, that's what said in when, when, when John Barathol said that. I'm like, yes, this, he's so good at playing a character who you want to root for, but you almost can't because he's just a little crazy. And I think that's what's going to happen with this Punisher. Yeah, a and, guy who does really bad things but for good yeah, intentions. I mean, that's, that's entirely what his character I mean, was and, on and The and Walking he, and, Dead. And he says it too. He's like, you know, I think you're a half measure. I, you know, you hit people, they get back up. I hit people, they stay down. And and it, in a way, I kind of tie that into Punisher's kind of like the Wonder Woman. Like Wonder Woman's thing with Batman and Superman all the time saying like, when you guys fight people, they come back. When I take care of people, they don't come back. So that's why I've always kind of liked Punisher and Wonder Woman because to me they kind of that, that similarity. Tyler's of long said that really the Punisher is the Wonder Woman of the Marvel Universe. Hey man, yeah, and multiple times. You know, I, I've never said it on here, but I've said it to my friends. Fashion yeah, yeah. sense but, is the same. But no, that that trailer was nice. It was so good. They were, it was dark enough that had the had the feeling of the first one. 
they you know they brought in foggy and you know all the old characters that i liked i was really excited to see stick in the second part because i thought maybe i didn't think that that was really cool i didn't think they were going to go that time that storyline i thought this was going to be just him versus the punisher but it's going to be him versus punisher and they're going to team up i think at the end to fight the yakuza which i'm all for you throw an electra i'm i'm ready to go march 18th or 15th or whatever it is can't come fast enough yeah so the early reviews are pretty positive, but it has some of the criticism of the first one, like uh, uneven pacing, kind of a weird tone. Sometimes you take a detour from like really dark to like Foggy's out on a bagel hunt and he's you know being wacky and stuff like that. But but overall, they've said the things that were good about the first season, so characterization of Dead of Deadpool of Daredevil <laughs> and his supporting cast, really great. Looks like there's going to be some budding romance between him and Karen Grant, and then you have Electra, who's the old flame coming back, and they really haven't teased any anything about really what her involvement's going to be but that's that's the wild card i think that's gonna be really cool action sequences are really good apparently we're gonna get some slow motion like bullet time stuff fine by me which is really cool and it kind of toes that line with like blood sprays and and you know the punisher being kind of really going dark and going kind of deeper into those like themes of like guilt and vigilantism and and all of that kind of stuff that was really cool in the first season yeah and this is the best way to, to follow up that season because that first season of Daredevil was just so good. I mean, everybody talked about how good Jessica Jones was, and it was. But, I mean, that couldn't have been as good as it was without the precedent of a really, really good Daredevil show. Yeah. And I'm really excited because I think, you know, the, the guy who's playing him, Joe, I don't know. John Barathol. John Barathol. <laughs> I can always mess his name up. Uh, perfect casting. Yeah. Near perfect casting. I yeah. know some people have nitpicked, like, his look. You know, they doesn't have thing. Who cares? Yeah. And, Who absolutely cares? And I'm excited, too, because – Depending on how good he is, I think John Barathol's portrayal of the Punisher could be the first time where you could have a very, very strong argument of why can't we just take him and make a movie out of him? Yeah. And that's when I think this whole Netflix is going to say Netflix and the movie, you know, they're connected, but they're going to say thing. John Barathol, man, I just, I can't, it's kind of like when I first saw Ben Affleck as Batman. It just, it makes Sense. Yeah, and hell, man, why why a movie? I mean, they were making more money off of Netflix anyway. Well, no, but I'm just saying, like, if after you know after Infinity Wars, who knows what's going to be left? Yeah, if they need something, and he and this guy hits, you know, you can they can go defenders because they're they're all talking about how after this cosmic event, they're going to have to bring it back. Why not just take these characters that you built up in the Netflix series that are going to have a strong following and just say, hey, now we're going to have a two and a half hour movie on it. You know, I don't know. I mean? they can live in both ponds. I actually like them. I think they work better for Netflix anyway because it's more of like kind of a gritty true crime kind of show. The one line that that gets me excited is that uh, this is the most effective and practical superhero costume we've seen yet in live action. Daredevil moves better than any big screen Batman, and the attention to detail in the action sequence is all in place. They say he like. His blows are heavier, and he moves a little bit slower, and he's a little bit clunkier, but he's also like more protected. So that's that's gonna be pretty well, I mean, cool. He, I mean, he's a boxer. Like that's that was the one thing that I loved. Like those fights had length and grit, and there was just there was a weight behind them. Like you saw them getting tired, and he wasn't always getting like just flawlessly taking dudes out. I mean, he was getting his butt kicked half the yeah. time. So I mean, it just. I started, you know, after a while, you started feeling the punches. Yeah, by far the best fight scenes on on what would be considered television right now. I mean, because we can practically consider Netflix television at this point. Yeah. But uh, in, in addition to that, we're talking about the potential for Punisher getting his own thing. They have cast Iron Fist. And they are still uh, going ahead with the Iron Fist idea. There was actually a little bit of weird controversy on Twitter the other day about that because he was cast as a white person, even though he's I don't know. It's weird because Danny Rand is like 
he's a white guy who learns martial arts and like he has this like kind of Eastern spirituality. He's, he's Tom Cruise in The Last Samurai. Right. Yeah. And there were people who were upset yesterday when the casting that he was white, which is I think people thought odd. Iron Fist was an Asian character. I think they did. Yeah. Which well, is, and okay, and I not only it, that, that's not true. It's for me. I'm kind of at I'm at the vein of why couldn't he be an Asian character? You know, like why like sure he's white in the comic books, but you know. Why couldn't they, have, you know, cast? But some, here's the thing, man. I'm not upset about it. Here's the thing, though. So people are fighting for an Asian character to be cast in kind of like a Asian stereotype superhero. Like the the Asian guy is like really good at kung fu. I don't know. They kind of kind of like goes against the whole argument, right? That they've been building for all these years of like. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna make somebody Asian, make like Captain America or the Hulk Asian or something. Uh, Someone who really doesn't need to. I'd be. like but, an Asian Hulk. That'd be but cool. I, I think part of the charm of Iron Fist, Iron Fist, <laughs> Iron Fist. You Iron heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Coming next fall. Zoo Marvel. Uh, and I don't really know a whole lot about Iron Fist, but I feel like part of his, his quirk is that he's like some dude running around Harlem with uh, with Luke Cage, and he's just a white dude, but he also like grabbed the power of a dragon and absorbed its uh, iron strength. That's like how he got his power, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I just thought that was kind of interesting the other day. Yep, so the guy is, is Finn Jones from Game of Thrones. So you Game of Thrones fans out there, you can hop on the Marvel train. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's all eyes on Daredevil Season 2, man. Absolutely. But uh, as we break out into new territory with that, we have something that I don't know if we all necessarily saw coming. Uh, DC is going to reboot again after just... It's not, it's not a reboot. Okay, well, here's the deal. It's a rebirth. Tyler has been nerding out about this for nearly about a week, I'm guessing. He has pages full of notes. I actually started at 7 o'clock this morning. <laughs> okay, so he's he's been he's been up drinking coffee since 7 a.m., right, trying to do this. So he's he's going to kind of lead this a little bit. So what is this rebirth thing, man? Well, from I got I got a quote here from Dan DiDio. Who starting is with the, a quote. Yep, quote. I mean, I got I to gotta make myself official. Just like all of my best presentations <laughs> in fifth grade. Yep. Well, start with a quote. Because, I mean, I, I don't really know if I know what Rebirth is. And I don't know if a lot of people actually know what Rebirth is besides the people in charge of it. That's what we're talking about. It, it says, at DC, we believe in superheroes and what makes them great. And we also believe in the direct market and the core comic fan. Rebirth is designed to bring back the best of DC's past, embrace the stories we currently love, and move the entire epic universe into the future. We are returning to the essence of the DCU. With Rebirth, we are putting the highest priority on the direct market, and we will continue to create and cultivate new opportunities for retailers to thrive and prosper, grow readers, fans, and customers. So that's all fine and dandy, but what, is, what the heck does that mean? To me, if I read that, what I, what I see is the New 52 is not going anywhere, okay? They can put this fancy new Rebirth brand on it. Basically, what I think they're doing is, as I've been reading the New 52, especially because you know, we talked about Scott Snyder's run, unless Scott Snyder told me that it didn't happen, I assumed that this Batman had already had his back broken. You know, he had Dick as a Robin. He had Tim and Jason, even though they tried to say that Tim was never a Robin, he was a Robin. And with this rebirth, I think we're going to start seeing them going back to these legacy kind of stories that everyone thought that we lost in the new 52, like that old continuity and kind of bring it back back into rebreathe some fresh air into these characters, not so much changing them at all, but just, giving you that those old readers the sense of the legacy that they had building up i mean there was a quote i think uh jeff john said like if you were someone like me who your house is full of long boxes full of comics and the new 52 came out and you felt kind of like you were upset that all that went away understand that they didn't go away they're still there and this is for like this is for you so it's almost like 
they're doing this rebirth for the old fans instead of like rebooting it for new fans. It's like, um, it's almost like they're trying to tell the old fans like, Hey, it's okay. We understand that those stories kind of seem like they went away, but they never did. And this is kind of our way of showing you that. So it's kind of like, like a, like, like a crisis situation without doing away. Once they've melded these two worlds together, Mm -hmm. they are going to stay melded. Yeah. I mean, and I think that kind of came out of the convergence thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't predict the future, but I think that, uh, the Hall of Heroes owner Michael's going to say something about, you know, um, <sighs> convergence was just a, like a stand-in for when they were moving offices. But I think that once they kind of had their universes back together, they were kind of like, well, what's something cool we can do with that? Let's, you know, and let's get our old, let's get our old fans happy because a lot of the criticism with New Fifty Two is they changed a lot of characters. Um, Tim Drake, who you know was was a long-standing Robin, was never a Robin, and no one really knew his. Pretty much anything Scott, Lo- I think it's Scott Lobdell, Lo- Lobdell, he touched, everyone says like he ruined all the comics like that he touched, which was like Red Hood and the Outlaws and Teen Titans at first. Yeah. Um, and I kind of saw also we're seeing something with detective comics and action comics where with this new rebranding, they're going back to their old numbering system. So taking account of what those com- like the numbers of comics that were in the new 52, when it starts up, detective comics is going to be on issue 934. And Action Comics is going to be at 9.57. So... It just seems so weird to me, man. I'm very confused. Yeah. Still. It's I'm basically... Just... Okay. Take... When they rebranded it and made them issue number one. Yeah. They just basically took... What was it? Like 51 issues of those. Added it to what they left off as. And they're starting over. So those are still part of those main runs. They just kind of renumbered so them. So when they, when they start off, they're not starting off from the issue that they left off when they started New 52. They've just added... Like you said, just yeah, added they 50. just added those yeah. fifty-one to the old number, and I think they're continuing on because still weird. The, the still this, strange. This rebirthing process is it's starting off with a eighty-page epic s- story written by Jeff Johns because he does all their universe crossing Jeff over Johns things. Is, yeah, yeah, um, and that's going to be like the main story behind this this rebirth. And then what we're seeing is a bunch of these rebirth branded issues. They're all number ones, but then at the same time, they're releasing number one issues as well. I've seen these rebirth issues as kind of like numbers, like issue zero, kind of like this is how we, we are at this point kind of thing. And a lot of the their big selling comics, which is funny because you can kind of see it tie into the movie universe, even though they probably won't want to admit it, are becoming two books a month books. Hmm. So... I mean, just starting off in the first month in June when this is because it's starting in May and that's when the 80 issue books coming out with that written by Johns. But in June, you have Aquaman number one, Batman number one, The Flash number one, Green Arrow number one, Green Lanterns number one, not Green Lantern, Green Lanterns, Superwoman um, and Wonder Woman are all. Oh, sorry. Superwoman, Superman and Wonder Woman are all number ones. No, no details been release at all about any design or uh, creative teams on any of these books. The only thing that we know about is the, the actual big, huge event book, which is Jeff Johns and it has a bunch of different artists on it. Um, and all of those books are two books a month now. Are those, are those all, because I, I, when I looked at the, the list for their, for their issue list, mm-hmm. there were those number ones and then there were rebirth number ones. Like I said, too, the, re- right? the rebirth, I think are just going to be one shots. Gotcha. I think they're going to just be like zero issues being kind of like, kind of like when they did the new 52 and they had the zero issue to kind of like tell you like, this is who our version of Batman is. I think that's going to kind of be what those rebirth issues are. Yeah. I don't see them going any farther than the issue. Like I think it's, I just think they're one shots. Um, but then, I mean, if you look and then you continue on and you look in, 
the other books they're releasing are Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yep, they're doing a Justice League book. They're bringing Nightwing back. They're doing Batgirl and Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. They're doing the Hellblazer, so they're bringing John Constantine back, and they're just labeling him the Hellblazer. Red Hood and the Outlaws is coming back. The Super, the Superman, Teen Titans, and then their last little group that they have coming out is Cyborg, Deathstroke, Harley Quinn, Justice League America, Suicide Squad, Batman Beyond, Blue Beetle, Earth 2, Gotham Academy next semester, Supergirl, Superwoman, Super Sons, Teen Titans, and Trinity. It seems like Marvel's all new, all, all different. And a lot, you know, and some of the main big books are two, are like two times a month. I think they said they're going to come out like bi-week, not bi-weekly, but bi-weekly, bi-weekly like in the bi-month process. Oh, and okay. then some of the smaller books, like in the last one, like Batman Beyond, Blue Beetle, Earth 2, those are all just regular shipped monthly books. Now, didn't they, didn't, when, they re, when they did 52, right, or they knew 52, they had a Deathstroke book, didn't mm-hmm. they? And it got killed. Yeah, that It got canceled. It was a Kyle Higg. Kyle Higgins wrote it. Yeah. It got canceled out, and then they rebooted Deathstroke again. I think that kind of – I'm going to guess that it came around the success of season two of Arrow, and they were like – a lot of people were like, wow, this Deathstroke character is really cool, and they then they kind of tied him in with Suicide Squad. Yeah. But I actually have, you know, as you saw me here, like three things in a row with Super in it. He's got more notes. <laughs> There's 32 new books coming out, not including the um, the big overarching story. So out of those 32 books – 18 of them i'm guessing just from the titles on this all i'm basing on the is the titles have to do with either batman or superman either a bat family or a superman storybook and i'm not even counting teen titans because normally there's like a Superboy ver- version of Superboy and a version of you know a robin in there but i'm not counting those female-led books there's only seven books out of those and they were pushing that for i mean we had a black canary book gotham academy i think has a lot of female characters in it you know uh they dropped off um the Supergirl book, they dropped that off, and that was getting really popular, but now we're seeing it come back, I think, success of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, Harley Quinn's staying around. But out of those books, I have Wonder Woman, Batgirl, Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn. The Trinity book I counted just because Wonder Woman's in it. Sure. And I'm, ass- and I'm assuming it's just going to be like the Trinity book. Supergirl and Superwoman are the books that are are female-led characters. And another thing, DC was always trying to push their diversity, how they, they had like the diverse characters. But now with this reboot, only one book out of the 32 has a like a character who's not basically white and that's cyborg um there's a lot of people they haven't announced if blue beetle's gonna be ted cord or jamie reyes Mm -hmm. so you know there could be some diversity there yep and then also with the green lanterns book they haven't said that that's going to be hal jordan we got the hal jordan in the green lantern core but they haven't said if it's going to be john stewart um if you look at the banner that they've got kind of like marketing their their new rebirth. Yeah, you showed us this. They, the, the, they have a Green Lantern in it, and it's Power Ring. So there's people thinking maybe this new Green Lanterns book might be led by Power Ring, yeah. and that'll be another female-led book. But, I mean, something else that's interesting, they have Flash on there, but it's not Barry Allen. It looks kind of more like a Wally West Flash. Cool. Um, you know, and they have Jay Garrick on there. They have, like, Superboy with the leather jacket back from the 90s and oh, stuff. Great. So oh, yeah. You're kinda, That's what we needed. You're, and you're kind of – so you're kind of seeing that. comic book characters. With this, we might kind of – they might take, like, their favorite versions and make it work. There's a character, like, with a hood on that you would assume is Green Arrow, yep. which I'm really – that's the one I really hope that they bring back. Yeah. Because that book went from being terrible to amazing to, be, to, to so-so. Yeah. And I just – I, I really like that character of Green Arrow, so I really hope they bring that book back. But so 
we talked about logistics. We talked about all these different things. But the, the big question I think in everybody's mind is, is this going to be considered a triumph? Or is this basically a sign of defeat saying, you know, people really didn't like New 52. Some of these things didn't work. We have to bring back our old canon to keep our fans. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel I feel defeatist about it because I really like New 52. I thought it was a good idea. And, and I'm kind of biased, too, because with the New 52 is how I got into the comics. Sure. Um, so, you know, those those that's why Scott Snyder is the guy who wrote Batman for me. You know, I, I've gone back now and I've read the Frank Millers and the Greg Morrison's and all that stuff. But Scott Snyder's my guy. Um, I can definitely see every time somebody complained about the New 52, I could understand why they'd be upset. If I had been reading them the whole time and it kind of changed, I'd be upset. Yeah. But I'm I'm. I think with this rebirth, if they're able to prove to people that you can have a new kind of like story, kind of like a new rebrand. I mean, look at Scott Snyder's run. That rebranded Batman. I mean, if you picked up that book, you would never know that Batman died and lost. You know, there was a battle for the cowl and he had his back broken and stuff like that. But that was a still successful run. So I think if they can kind of blend the waters of this is something where someone who is brand new can pick it up. But people who have been around still feel like the books that they've grown up reading matter i think it could be super successful yeah and that, since you put it that way i mean i kind of uh, that i can view it as a success too because i mean that was the end game goal of new 52 to bring in new readers to try to get people on board and i mean i guess you're like the living breathing example of that you got brought on and now you've backtracked and now you are probably considered one of those old school fans because you've gone backwards yeah. and and i think honestly the biggest threat to this rebirthing thing is the fact that they have some two two month books especially big flagship titles like you know batman and all the all these people because you look at the art in those books were amazing and part of the reason is because greg capula could you know he had a you know he had a month if he got behind but he was always ahead i'm starting to wonder if you're gonna see maybe almost like dual storyline books where you can just kind of tell the art's different. It might be this like two different people doing art. You know, the story is written by the same person, but the art is always going to be different artists because I just don't know if the artist will be able to keep up. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't know. I mean, we don't we don't get to. It doesn't start like I said until May, and honestly, the, all the new books don't start coming out until June. So for me, I'm like, okay, I need to catch up with everything. That's my timeline to catch up so that because I want to go into rebirth completely caught up and ready. For, ready for it and i'm, I'm gonna give it a chance yeah so yeah. and uh i mean this could very well pit old school fans with new school fans against each other again but there seems to be a different war going on elsewhere outside the world of comics malachi can you fill us in on the battle for the skies that's going on right now somewhere out in the desert episode seven is being filmed da, 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 da. high above Wherever it is, wherever these this place is, I'm not really sure. I think it's it's normally somewhere over in London. Like there England. are drones that are attacking the set of Star Wars, the blank blank episode seven, uh, trying to get spoiler details, cast information, that kind of stuff. So what Disney has decided to do is to build its own counter drones, launch them into the sky, and take this fight where it should have been all along, <laughs> up in the stratosphere. Okay, for context. Yes. All right. So there's there's these drones that are trying to get spy pics of the set. Yeah. So people, you know, independent news organizations, these like I don't know, comic sites, other people who uh, who get information like leaked and then they sell it to the media or whatever. They uh, they are building drones and that's kind of the new way that they're trying to do it now. They're <laughs> terrifying. Fly their the fly least. their drones above the set and try to get information about what's going on down there, take pictures and stuff. 
well, this is Star Wars, and Disney's a huge corporation, so they're not letting any of this stuff get out. So they've actually built, manufactured counter drones that are going to be released into the sky to <laughs> battle these drones uh, and stop them from getting information. Okay, so how are they? How are they going to take these things out? That's my that's my big question. Well, first of all, I think this is only going to create some kind of arms race where the people who want to get photos are going to create drones that are more powerful than the other drones uh, to get through this, you know, fully operational drone defense system. Uh, and it's going to become like a merchandising thing, like you shot down one of the counter drones above the Star Wars set, and they're going to become like collectibles, apparently. That is fantastic. Yeah. I could see that happening. I mean, hey, it worked for Ronald Reagan, so why can't it work for Ryan Johnson? <laughs> this you know, this is like... the real Star Wars. Wow, this is the future we've made for ourselves. Is what Gizmodo. So I'm says. not sure. I don't think they have like any weapons or anything. I haven't really seen. I think like... they're just going to fly around and bunce each other around up yeah, in the they air. Just kind yeah. of just hit each other, knock like, each other out, shake each other for like change. Like you know, spare for, change. Like forest speeders. <laughs> 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 like forest speeders. Oh no! It kind of is like radar lasers. Okay, so okay, so there's actually lasers. so there's an acoustic detection technology that results in high detection rates with low false false alarms and is able to detect these drones that come in without uh, RF links, which are basically they're on autopilot or they're being piloted by somebody else. So it's invisible to radar, these little these RF link signals, but this drone shield technology can pick it up, and uh, once they do that, there's an alert. That's it. I can't wait till someone hacks the safety drones and then just gets the pictures that way. That's going to be awesome. And then they have to deploy safety drones for the safety drones. So this alarm is just going to let them, like, notify them that, hey, there's a drone flying above either stop or I, I think what they would do is like sue somebody or I don't know try to find get the, get the feds the involved or the cops or something wow it's come to this point guys you know first we were concerned about drones flying through and maybe launching nukes on us picking off our people but no more seriously trying to leak interesting it's a crazy world out there absolutely so okay we're gonna we're gonna take a little break here and uh we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about the history of image comics it is the 24th anniversary of image comics and we have a special guest in the studio we're bringing on michael from the hall of heroes so uh stay tuned to our sponsor and we'll be back after that wake up in the morning and not go and get the paper gotta get the paper hey guys this episode of raving geeks has been sponsored by the hall of heroes Located in Campus Court next to Subway, the Hall of Heroes is open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Visit their website at www.hallofheroesllc.com and let the Hall of Heroes become your go-to comic book destination. My synopsis is real. Never had that old feel with cats who make waves and get a 360 deal. The year is 1992, and the world is going through a massive shift. The Cold War was officially over, America finished its first dealings with Iraq and the Gulf War, and a wave of grunge rock and alt-rock albums were hitting the airwaves, eviscerating pop and hair metal from the previous decade. It was a time of revolutionary change in American politics and culture, so it's no coincidence that the comic book industry, sagging with convoluted superhero titles, would find itself in the midst of a similar revolution. 24 years ago, on February 1, Image Comics released its first two titles, Savage Dragon No. 1, and a month later, the iconic first issue of Spawn. Both of these creations would be the longest-running books in indie history, and two of the longest-running books without a renumber or a total reboot. The company itself has grown to a massive proportion since Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Eric Larson's, and a handful of other renegade creators defected from Marvel Comics. And it is to the date... Right now, the third highest-selling company in comics, nipping at the heels of the big two and giving them a literal run for their money. 
The Day on the Geeks were celebrating Image Comics as a revolution, and it's nearly 25 years in production. And to do that, we have a special guest here in the studio with us. We have uh, Michael from the Hall of Heroes, the King of the Nerds. He's going to kind of wax philosophical with us a little bit about the history, the impact, and why he likes indie comics, because he's, uh, he's a big proponent when people come into the shop. Oh, yeah. So, you know, for all you guys, what was your first brush with Image Comics? For me, it was uh, Invincible. Invincible is a superhero comic, basically. It's really one of the only superhero comics that they do nowadays. Um, and it was it was a combination of uh, superheroes and happy days, basically. It was very interesting uh, uh, juxtaposition of the two things. Interesting. Invincible's great. I think mine probably was, just as a child of the 90s, was probably Spawn. I don't think I actually read an issue until, like, I was, you know, maybe in my teens or something, but that the movie came around, what was that, like 96 or 97 oh, maybe? Yeah. I think that was probably my first introduction. Terrible introduction, really, but <laughs> even as a kid, that was really cool. So Absolutely, and I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. Spawn was one of those comics that when I went to a shop, my mom was like, no, no, you can't, you're not allowed to read this. Go over here. Pick up a cape. Um, and for many years, I didn't know what the deal was. I kind of had seen the movie a little bit, um, trying to sneak it on HBO, but the, the actual, the 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 animated series that was on HBO, that was my first real introduction to Spawn, and from there I was just like, okay, I'm sold. Yeah, and that was actually pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So, Michael, um, kind of backtracking in history, you know, when, when those first issues came out, what was your reaction? What was the reaction of the comics community as a whole? You know, um, my uh, history as far as a retailer goes back only about 10 years. Yeah. Um, but... But looking at looking at the titles that they put out, I can see that uh, uh, they were they were innovative in what they were doing. They were very very in the forefront of changing the way the business model worked, you know. Um, and from that, I mean, from all the titles that they've got out there at this point, it's it's really just amazing. Yeah, definitely. And plus, plus they booted Liefeld out. That was kind of funny. <laughs> An anecdote that you often tell us, and we often kind of tell here on the podcast, too, is that when anybody comes in, you know, they're a new comic book reader, you immediately take them away from a DC title, a Marvel title, a Capes title, right. and put them in front of an indie title, mm-hmm. like an image, like a vertigo of the like. Um, just kind of refreshes again why you do that and what's important. The, I think that uh, when people are trying to get into comics, and, uh, and it's kind of amazing to me that people still come into the store from time to time and say they've never read a comic book before. But um, it's uh, it's kind of interesting, and so I will uh, not lead them to the cape stuff because I think that a lot of people are daunted by the idea that these characters are older than their parents, um, which, which is why you know DC just did their New Fifty Two reboot a few years ago. Why Marvel just went through the whole thing themselves just now, um, and the the good thing. Uh, the other good thing about it is that Image's books are so diverse. They're so, they've got great talent. They've got great artists. They've got just amazing stories that go everywhere. You can see westerns and and soap operas and just everything, fantasy, just everything. It's amazing. Were those niches being filled before? Was it mostly just cape stuff? It, it was for the most part. There was there was smaller indie publishers that that did that kind of stuff. Like you got it out of heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of. Uh, picked up a lot of that slack for the most part um but not a lot of uh like the regular comic book well it certainly wasn't probably mainstream no not at all no no 
Interesting. And, and then, you know, then I can remember. When you talk about diversity, I mean, do you talk about just diversity of the kind of genre mashups too, oh, yeah. or are you talking about diversity in characters and creators as well? Just everything. I mean, it's the stuff that uh, the stuff that those guys do, the Vertigo and IDW and and all those guys. Um, they they don't. I mean, that the cape slot is already filled. They don't. You know, there's a few things that they can do that that can add to that a little bit, give it a little bit of a, uh, a difference. But for the most part, there's so many other genres that aren't even touched, you know. So it's it's easy for them to, to fill in those slots. Absolutely. There's some amazing, they're just amazing books. There really are some just amazing, like there's just Trees. Um, that's an Ellis title, I think. That's an ongoing thing, uh, which is like a science fiction horror. There's Saga just came just came out from that second second wave, so to speak, in the in the mid tw- uh, mid two uh, thousands. Yeah. Well, those those books too aren't bound by the same kinds of restrictions that that Marvel and DC are. Like Invincible, for example, mm-hmm. can get really violent, can get yeah. pretty gory. Oh yeah, and you'd never really. I mean, and that's what I like about that book too is that you really see like knockdown, drag out fights in superhero comics Absolutely. all the time, but you don't see the repercussions of that. And <laughs> right. this is Absolutely like true. when they punch each other in the face a bunch of times, like somebody gets a broken nose or like their eye yeah. pops out or something, yeah. like. You know, they're not they're not bound and certainly you know spawn I think w- was really pushing that in the 90s I guess in general with yeah, that whole true. kind of extreme gritty dark kind of stuff but um, I mean can you when it when it first came out was there kind of like a, a, a tone that it was that the, their books were setting that was different um, I would say I would say yeah if only because of the the uh, they were uninhibited in what they could do I mean because they they owned the stuff. They could kind of do whatever they wanted. They didn't have editorial uh, restrictions at all, you know, so they could do whatever they wanted. Yeah, which is w- one of the reasons why these guys broke away in the yeah. first place. I mean, you know, going back into the history, um, Jim Lee, uh, Todd McFarlane, and I think it was, was it Larson or was it, uh, I have it right Larson now. was in there, yeah. Larson was in there too, but I'm not sure that he was one Rob of the. Rob Liefeld. It was Liefeld, yeah. And yeah, they. Uh, and Silvestri, and then there was. This, uh, they basically Jim went to, to Marvel Comics publisher Terry Stewart and said, "Like, listen, man, like you're you're stifling our creations. You're not letting us do what we need to do." And they were also not being rewarded like they they thought they were going right. to. Um, so, I mean, they were taking a huge risk, kind of just saying, you know, big middle finger to the big two industries. Um, you know, what kind of risk was that for a creator to kind of branch off on their own, kind of dismantle the big two in that way? Well. Um being that those two were the only ones that were around at the time, that's kind of career suicide. If you can, unless you have some sort of a safety blanket, and that one that they actually wound up weaving themselves. Yeah, you know, and when this happened, um, I think there was a huge there was a huge boom in comics anyway. I mean, the, the Burton movies had just come out. Right. You know, I mean, everybody was kind of interested. There was a bunch of shops opening up. You know, this big indie splash. Do you think if they tried to do something like this today? I mean, there's obviously a bunch of new indie publishers that come out. On the constant, but do you think that they make as big of a splash as Image did in the '90s? I don't think so. I think that they would really kind of get lost in in the shuffle. There's, yeah. it's it's been done, you know. So there's not really anything that they could do. I mean, it's similar to the industry. I mean, uh, the DC and Marvel were there, and then Image struck out, you know, so on their own. So um, f- for anybody else to try to do that, it's it's just kind of like a it's already been done. Yeah, they could have success in doing it, but it's not really something that is going to stand out historically. There's a lot of different avenues now too that weren't available mm-hmm. before. 
getting your stuff online and digital comics. And you can print your own stuff. I mean, you yeah. can get your own stuff printed nowadays. It's not that hard. I thought it was interesting. I'm looking on Wikipedia right now. Uh, it says Marvel stock fell about $3.25 a share when the news first became public, which is pretty interesting, man. And and they got to be making bank now. I mean, Walking Dead is an image comic. And oh, that's yeah. That's like blown up yeah. entirely. Um, but, you know, we talk about how uh, there, there are beefs between creators every once in a while on the show. And uh, Images Organizing Charter said that they would not own any creator's work and they would not interfere uh, creatively or financially with any of the partners' work. So they each kind of broke off into like their own studios, like Todd McFarlane. I think it was Todd McFarlane Productions, and I think he had his toy line under that too for a long yeah. time. Yeah, Really like allowed them to, uh, I don't know, self-brand, I guess, in a way that probably wasn't possible under Marvel Absolutely. too, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, just kind of expand on stuff that, uh, that uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be something they'd be able to do under the other things. I mean, if you can make your own toy deal, that's really great. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring that up, too, because if you look back at, at some of the history, um, you know, McFarland kind of left his writing duties because he had some criticism that he wasn't just a very good writer, right? So he right. got people like Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman to come in and, and fill in those roles. Um, oddly enough, there in Spawn number nine, Gaiman created a character named Angela, right, yeah. who was, became pretty popular. There was actually a protracted legal battle that they had for a long time because he actually sold that character over to Marvel, Right. There's so, an ongoing Angela book right now, I think. Yeah, there yeah. is, yeah. So, yeah she know. was just introduced in the Marvel Universe uh, about a year ago. So yeah. it's one of those interesting things about like them originally writing this charter that they're not going to own these properties, yet when Gaiman wanted to take this character that he had created for them, they're like, no, 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 we, we own that. That's part of our universe. And obviously there was some disconnect there. Well, that's hard for world building. But, you know, i got to say, so we talked about our favorite comics a couple episodes ago, and I'm looking at this list of ongoings right now, and almost every one of my picks was on there. Bitch yeah. Planet, Southern Bastards, yeah. Invincible, The Walking Dead, uh, Sex Criminals. I put Jacked on that list, too. Jacked is on there. Yep. Uh, Black Science was really good this year. Yep. That I mean, was one of crazy. Our, that was one of our uh, uh, book club books. Yeah. Yeah, one of the very first ones. So how, how well do, does Image sell in, in your shop? It does. It does really well. There's uh, there's people at uh, a couple of people that have almost exclusively image books on their on their lists. Wow. You know. Wow. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's a really popular thing. You know, going back to the, the introducing people to to indies, um, when they come back after they've read a book, mm -hmm. what's what's their reaction like? You know, can you kind of describe how they are? Well, it depends. Um, sometimes they get it, and it's great, and they they're looking for something else. You know, but uh, every once in a while. Um, I can't actually remember anybody that didn't like a comic book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now oh, that I'm thinking this. back at it. No, I'm like, yeah, nobody ever. Yeah, this isn't going to work for me. That never happened. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. that I think about it. You brought up The Walking Dead, right? And, uh, you know, Walking Dead has this kind of this iconography now in our cultural context that yeah. really kind of transcends those Kirkman books. Yeah. Right? Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. same, same way that Spawn has kind of transcended its initial book run you know, back in the 90s. I'm sure more people are aware of Spawn than have read Spawn. Surely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And in many ways, people are more aware of Walking Dead. Probably well, that's, yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, the TV audience is, is way larger than the comic, even though they're on 151 now in the comics. Right, but you'd be surprised how many people do not know that's a comic book. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of shocking to me that yeah. people still come in. I just found this out. And they want the omnibus. And well, I'm this like, has been going on for a couple of years here, guys. Yeah, and it's fine. I mean, some yeah. people just, they, they don't, they kind of ignore comics. Comics... Comics are for kids, yeah. to to a lot of people, so they don't even think of it. My comic certainly isn't. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the third omnibus of that just came out, or, or the compendium, yeah, which the I guess are like super omnibuses. But um, so there, we have all three of them now, and they're probably like two feet long now. It's it's crazy. You know, that being said, does does something like this, do you guys predict, will have the same kind of staying power, not only like Spawn, but to, you know, the big properties like Superman, Batman, Cap, and Spider-Man, does it have that kind of longevity? I would say it does. Um, it's it's really too early to tell, but um, I, I would think I would think so. Just because of the just because of the diversity and just because of the fact that that there's so many people that are finally getting into comics. Yeah. After yeah. all this time. I mean, I guess in terms of like creating iconic characters that are going to be al- around for a really long time, I think I agree. It's a little bit too early, and I just don't know if that's like that can happen anymore in general. Like because back when those characters were first introduced, that was kind of all you had, and mm-hmm. people built on that for so long. But in terms of like always like image as a brand now like when i pick up an image comic like for the most part i will give that the benefit of the doubt that it's going to be good and i'll stick around a couple issues more than you know any other kind of publisher that even like marvel and dc now i jump off books pretty early from then um but i mean like i said everything that i read last year that i really liked is an image comic you know all the stuff that's getting lauded and and really getting a lot of hype from the uh uh from like the the critics and I guess uh, you know the sites that I go to that really kind of deconstruct some cool things that are going on in the industry. It's all kind of happening there, uh, as opposed to you know the big two, which are just you know working on their second re- reboot now, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into. Uh, Tyler came up with a whole uh, strategy for that, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're a lot more flexible. Uh, I I like their creative teams a lot more. So just image as like an institution, I think is going to stay very iconic. Yeah, you know, and I, sometimes I'll help out Michael uh, put books up. Sometimes. Sometimes. When he begs me. and When he remembers the alphabet. Yeah, <laughs> which is not often. Um, but, like, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll put books out, and it's funny because all the image books look far more interesting and far more enticing than, you know, this this Robin War stuff that's going on. You know, these are, these are big arcs. These are big, like, you know, company-wide productions that they've put a lot of stake into. Is, is there more merit to the closed-loop story arc, like the things that Image does, like Jack, like this is what, what I really, really like right now. Is there more merit to that than these big company-wide events these days? I think so, because because you can get in and finish it. You're not you're not investing. I mean, um, I don't remember the last time uh, Marvel or DC did a, a a one-off story in their in their regular line. I mean, it happens from time to time, but there's no there's no easy way of jumping in to that stuff at all. Um, Marvel has has started doing this thing where they put a little banner on their covers now that says "New Story Starts Here," things like that. But if you want to get into books and you really want to be uh, exposed to the experience, so to speak, it's really the best thing to do is to jump into a uh, an image book that has a short story arc, absolutely, an intriguing, you know, really kind of grab at you story arc. Yeah. You know? Um, Examiner put out a really cool article just a little bit ago kind of celebrating, you know, um, the 24th anniversary. And what they said was that because of all these recent successes, things that we've talked about, like The Walking Dead, um, there could be a very real scenario where Image kind of breaks up the big two and overtakes them in sales. They talked about Eric Stevenson's, you know, obviously current publisher, um, his push to do similar things as the bigs, kind of revamp and reissue classic storylines. There was um, some talk that uh, Larson and McFarlane are working on like Spawn books primarily together again, mm-hmm. which is really nice because you have the original creators kind right. of coming together and redoing it. They've obviously gotten much better as time has gone on, and I think people are really excited about that. 
And in addition to that, they're also um, reissuing their first issues. Right. Which is right. really cool. For a buck. It's, yeah. it's a really cool oh, thing. Oh, nice. For a dollar. Yeah. There's like 20, I think there's a, at least 24 titles. The, the reprints of the very first issue of Spawn and Walking Dead. I mean, you know, Savage Dragon, all these ones that are going so far back. But even some of the brand new ones that they've just... Came out the they've just come out the last year. Yeah, and in addition to that, they're spinning off their big titles. So you've got all these Walking Dead spinoffs that are going on, not only in comics but also with the TV shows too. And video games and video games, I mean, tons of it. That it's in itself is almost an outlier because it's such a multimedia cross promotional thing now. You know, it's Walking Dead's picked up so much steam; it's almost on its own playing field. Absolutely, and when you when you put all of those things together, what Examiner was looking at was that it will quite literally push images sales into the same bracket as dc yeah i could see that you know matching them could you guys ever imagine a day especially you michael imagine a day where that was a an actual possibility yeah that would be that would i, I would i would welcome an, uh, a situation like that to, to have something different that people know about as as opposed to i mean everybody knows dc and marvel but to be able to come in and say hey i want a, an image book yeah that would be that'd be pretty cool I mean, an image has already got that reputation as like we're, we're the big indie, right? We yeah. kind of set the standard for people to do indie books. But what I mean, what would that mean for indie creators even more to know that like, wow, like this isn't just like a third tier thing anymore. This is this is the real deal. Yeah, they have a chance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and they get a real sense of agency with their work too. They know that when they create these things, they're going to have, you know, they images maybe gotten a little bit more corporate now than when it first came out, but still, you know, that that uh, focus on making sure that the creator uh, is taken care of. Uh, I think it would appeal to a lot of people now. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are just jumping into the industry now more than they used to anyway. Maybe that's been an upward trend. Right. In, in the last few years, the success of the uh, the Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah. That that drew a lot of people into all, you know, all sorts of aspects of the industry. Huh? Yeah. And, you know, in a sense, you know, Image doesn't really focus on capes. I mean, the only real two like examples of capes, I and mean, there's other ones, but the big ones are Savage Dragon and Spawn. Yeah. You know, is there a chance here that Image can break out and bring more movies to the table? I mean, is there a chance of a Walking Dead movie here pretty soon? Is there a chance of, of doing a Savage Dragon movie? I don't know about a Walking Dead movie just yet. Um, but I could see, I'm trying to remember if I read anything about anything like that. Moving forward, but nothing. Yeah, but nothing. Nothing comes to mind. I feel like there's I, always been rumors around Invincible. I feel like that's kind of the easiest. That's one that about the do. only one. Yeah, but and it's a, it's a, it's a great. It's such a likable story, and the art is is really, uh, it's detailed, but it's, it's not overly. Uh, the characters are just very, very, uh, well drawn. Just well yeah. drawn, I guess. Really, is all I could very say. Very clean too. Yeah, clean is it is a good term. Yeah. You know, taking someone like Jim Lee, right, who was part of that original Renegade resistance, if you will, against Marvel. I mean, now he's the, what, the co-publisher of, of DC, DC yeah. right? So there's kind of like this weird collusion going on. <laughs> um, you know, do you think that that is helping his image brand? Or do you think that kind of takes away from the initial kind of, I guess, charm of him giving a big middle finger to Marvel? I don't know. I mean, Jim Lee's... He's Jim Lee. I feel like he's been a major player for ever since he really started working on X-Men in the 90s. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong on the timeline there, but um, I don't know. I mean, I don't really think of him as, as an image guy anymore, really. I've always been a, you know, more associated with his work with X-Men and Batman than anything else. Right. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. 
I'm looking at a list of the books that they're doing right now. Um, they're doing a Chew television series. Are they? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think it. I think it was originally going to be a live action, and I think it's going to be animated now. Wow. Okay. Or vice versa. I'm not really sure. Looks like they picked up the Voltron license. I'm looking at a list here too. Cool. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is under Image. Oh, they just did a big crossover with with Batman. Wait, that's over. Is that under Image or IDW? It's IDW. That's IDW. IDW, Yeah. But bringing that up, though, you know, we've been focusing primarily on Image because that was the first big revolutionary push out there. But you've got Vertigo, you've got IDW, and things like that. You know, what can these guys do? I mean, Vertigo is is an imprint of DC, DC, so they have that umbrella, right? They have that financial backing. But something like IDW, what can they do? to continue this kind of trend to push forward? I mean, is it just following the same lead, or is it... Yeah, I mean, it seems like they can probably ride the, the success. The yeah. demand that's been created for these more kind of closed story arcs, uh, different kinds of storytelling that Absolutely. you get. Yeah. So what other what other indies do you guys like? What, what titles do you guys like from Vertigo or IDW? I mean, I, I will pump the Preacher Train every chance I can get. <laughs> You know, that's my big, so... Yeah, I mean, actually, we, we talked about this before, but I'd, I'd be interested in to hear what your uh, top picks were for last year, Michael. For last year? Yeah. Um, title-wise? Yeah. Um, oh, it's hard to say. You kind, of, you kind of put me on the spot. Um, dun, dun, dun. Sorry. Um, we can play the Jeopardy theme while, while we wait. <laughs> it only makes, like, the tension increase. Yeah, yeah. that really does. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I think that the, the more popular things last year were... Uh, Marvel Marvel redid their Secret Wars. Was it three point four? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Marvel War, uh, Secret Wars three um, was uh, it stood out in that it was uh, another reboot of what they were already doing. Um, I think that followed a little bit on the coattails of DC's New Fifty Two a couple of years down the line. Uh, well, they were doing convergence at that same time too. Yeah, which I didn't get into any of that because that seemed like that was way too much. Convergence to was convergence was a placeholder more than anything else. I don't know if you knew that mm-hmm. they those were um, two. There was uh, t- I think there was twenty six two part stories, and then um, a weekly nine piece series that was like the the spine of it, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the main reason for it was because uh, DC moved from New York to Los Angeles. Oh, right. And it took them two months to do that. So they really didn't have the time to, I mean, they're so close to schedule as it is, they didn't really have the time to put out yeah. their regular books. So this was just a, a fast, so to speak, easy way of, of bridging that gap. Absolutely. That's interesting. Well, I like Secret Wars. I mean, the art was really good. The story lost me about halfway through and then the delays didn't really help oh no I know and then they added another title another issue at the end yeah 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 it was an eight piece or nine piece miniseries and came out in 12 months yeah (laughs) yeah that was I mean last year was weird in just like multi-universal events like that because you had Convergence you had Secret Wars uh, Spider-Verse I think ended earlier that year or maybe it was like toward the end of the previous year and then you had Grant Morrison's Multiversity too. Yeah, that's that was the big one from last year. What's the DC uh, side. What's the deal with that? You know, I that was sort of like a, a, as I as I understand it, it was sort of like a kind of like a labor of love that they just allowed to happen. It was pretty cool. I mean, some of the stuff that they were doing and the artists that they got in there were amazing. Um, 
and uh, I think the hardcover just came out that compiled all of it. Mm-hmm. And that's I got a couple copies. They just flew out, which is pretty cool because I didn't even know that a lot of people were interested in something like that. Yeah. Sure. Cool. Well, Michael, thank you very much for coming in and, and speaking with us. My pleasure. Uh, you know, as always, go and check out Michael and his shop. It's a wonderful place. It's uh, where we'd like to spend our time. You should spend your time there too. What are the uh, What are the best sellers right now? What should people get into? Yeah. If they come by the shop. Um, let's see. Um, well, you know, really, the image titles are doing really, really well. Um, th- we've got a. Well, free comic book day is coming up in a couple of months. I know that sounds yeah. it sounds like nothing, but it's plug. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, we'll be we'll be jumping on that pretty soon. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, guys. We're going to take a break. We're coming back with our checks and recs, where Tyler will rejoin us in the studio. And here's a word from our sponsor. Wake up in the morning and I go and get the paper. Gotta get the paper. Hey guys, this episode of Raving Geeks has been sponsored by the Hall of Heroes. Located in Campus Court next to Subway, the Hall of Heroes is open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Visit their website at www.hallofheroesllc.com and let the Hall of Heroes become your go-to comic book destination. My synopsis is real. Never had that old Dixie feel with cats who make waves and aptly get a 360 deal. Welcome back to the Raving Geeks. I have the intro. Uh, they told me take as much time as you want, Malachi, to get the intro. I didn't so, know you was going to sing, though. Yeah, and well, you said you wanted to hear those pipes. Those I, are... I mixed uh, a red cranberry tea, uh, cranberry apple with orange and spice tea today, so mm. I'm feeling extra lubed up. <laughs> L- lubed? Yeah, those airways are, are lubed up big time. <laughs> Slippery, even, some Ooh. would say. Well, that brings us to check recommendations and recommendations, where we give us uh, some things that you should check out and wreck out. Uh, I'm going to start this time. Uh, I think The Life and Times of Tim is something that I recently got back into that I really enjoyed. Uh, it's an HBO animated comedy series that uh, premiered in 2008, ran three seasons to 2011. Uh, and it's kind of one of those things that would do really well on Adult Swim now, but it just kind of came out at the wrong time and in the wrong place. Um, but it's got some good voice talent. I'll get into that in a second. But essentially, it's just... It's kind of like the increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret, but not ending in nuclear destruction. It doesn't quite go that far. It's, it's basically this guy. He's a hapless man in his mid-20s. He's living in New York with his girlfriend, and he just, you know, he's kind of a wimp. He doesn't back, uh, he doesn't, like, stand up for himself, and usually when awkward situations kind of happen, he makes it worse by either going along with the people that are around him or, like, lying, and he ends up finding himself in, like, these increasingly awkward situations. Like uh, the boss brings in his dog and the dog poops on the rug, um, but the dog would get kicked out of the building. So the boss makes him lie and say that Tim, the guy's name is Tim, pooped on the rug. So they start calling a mad dog Tim and everybody thinks that he just like walks around the office like pooping on the floor because the dog's been doing it, but he's got to take the blame for it. So just, just kind of things like that happen. Uh, he asks for a plumber and he, he calls the wrong number. So a hooker comes to his apartment which is happens all the time and he's his front door is broken so he asked he asked if they can come in the back door so she makes him pay for back door action well at the time <laughs> that they're negotiating the price his girlfriend and her parents come home because uh, he's supposed to like have dinner with them that night which always happens too yeah so he he's got to kind of finagle his way out of that situation um but it's really funny uh they're usually broken down into two 15 minute episodes uh it's got like nick kroll uh, Matt Johnson, Peter Giles is on there. Bob Morrow does a lot of voices too. Um, 
the uh, the voice of Doctor Venture from uh, the Venture Brothers. I, his name's escaping. Paul Urbanak. I forget how you pronounce Urbanowski? his last name. No, no, Urbanak or something like yeah. that. Billy D. Williams shows up. Uh, nice. Aziz Ansari was there for a couple episodes. Bob Odenkirk is on. Uh, Daniel Tosh, Bob Saget. So some pretty cool uh, voice uh, uh, guest actors on there. But yeah. give it a, give it a look. Uh, you can sure probably find it on DVD somewhere, maybe on Amazon. But uh, there's a lot of uh, clips of YouTube to the individual uh, episodes. So cool. That's what I've been watching recently. Cool. Sounds good. I uh, have kind of a throwback one. Uh, in 2009, DC put out a uh, paperback trade called Flash versus Rogue, and it collects every single one of Flash's first encounters with the Rogue. So first encounter with Captain Cold, first encounter with the. Uh, what is it? Uh, Mirror Man. Trickster, probably. Trickster's on here. Boomerang's on here. Heat Wave. It's all of them. And weather, the, weather Wizard. The very, last, uh, the very last story is like the collected rogues finally fighting against him as opposed to just the individuals. And it's just really cool. Uh, my buddy John, who we mentioned in the beginning of the show, he uh, gave this to me. He's a huge, huge Flash fan. I kind of want to put Tyler and him in a room and just let him duke it out for a little bit because they would have a field day. But it's really cool. So this is all of uh, Carmine Infantino's and John Broom's work uh, from the original Flash. And uh, it's kind of hokey. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, the art is very old school, um, but it's it's really cool. If you're a fan of the Flash like I am, um, and I'm sure Tyler would want to look at this too, it's, it's really sweet to see these characters as they first uh, are introduced. So, yeah, check it out. Um, I, I, like Malcolm, my, my recommendations are all, like, TV-based. Mm. Um the show Lucifer, that new Vertigo type show. Yeah, how is that? I like it. Wow, I really do. I didn't think I was going to. I it was on Hulu, and I was sitting there one night, and I just finished watching like Flash and Arrow, and I'm like, oh, I'm not super tired yet. I'll watch. I'll just watch the first episode, and I really do like it. Uh, it's basically like a crime thriller. Lucifer got tired of being in hell, and he decides to take a vacation. The guy who plays Lucifer, super charming, like. I love Lucifer. Like I never Whoa, thought I would what? say that. Dude. He's, he's, you know, I can see why everyone likes him. It's, it's, it's funny and you hear it here first. I love Lucifer. Tyler's into Satanism. Um, and then I mean the the, the other recommendation I have is not Fuller House. Mm-hmm. Not not Fuller House. My roommate binge watched the entire thing in one day yesterday. Did you really? I didn't. Oh. My roommate did. And oh. I just need to know. And did he did he survive? I, he liked it. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Does he still have his mind? The reviews have not been that great. I don't think. Well, a lot of those people have kind of lost their minds since that show. You was know what's on. you know what's really funny? One of the criticisms I heard about this is that this it it feels like a like one of the porn parodies without the porn. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. That's like the worst thing you could really say about it. Pretty much. Um, but <laughs> I'm going off of that. My my other rec- recommendation. I think I had the same one, but I'm just going to stress it. Watch Young Justice on Netflix. Netflix has come out and said that if it gets well-received, we might get a third season. And as far as DC's animated universe goes, it's one of the best things they put out in a long time. And that's saying something because they put out a lot of good movies. So watch Young Justice. Great storylines. Cool characters you don't always get to see around. And, you know, like different versions of The Flash and the different Robins and all that good stuff. Aqualad, you know. So watch that because I want I want a season three. So just watch it so I can get a season three. Just, just put it on. You don't have to yeah. watch it. Just let no, it just, stream. Just let it play. Kind of like background. you do with this episode. Just put it on so we get the views. <laughs> Are you still watching Young Justice? Why, yes, I am. Yeah. And by the way, I want to backtrack here real quick so either John doesn't crucify me and that I don't lose credibility more than I already have. Uh, the correct character's name is Mirror Master. 
Not Mirror uh, Man. <laughs> mirror Master. Not trying to, to die by the hands of John Forrest. So, yeah, cool. Good recommendations. And we got uh, Kelsey's rec. Kelsey, what do you uh, recommend? All right, yeah, so I've got two recommendations this week. Um, my first one is going to be a shameless plug here, and uh, I'm going to say my new podcast, Real Talk. It's a shameless it's, plug. It's pretty decent, I think. I don't know. It's a new one. It's interesting. We talk about like streaming services. And uh, my second recommendation is actually going to be a game. It's kind of um, like a similar thing to like Cards Against Humanity, but it's called Fun Employment. And basically, there's a card um, or cards with different um, like occupations. And then there's a bunch of cards that have, like, skills, and you have to, like, bullshit your way into this job. Like, basically, it's like a fake interview. But they're, like, really funny things. Like, like one might be a hooker, like, and then, like, the skills are, like, beefy and, like, like good at math or, like, alcoholic. Like, so it's, like, just bullshit, and it's yeah. really fun. So those are my two recommendations for the week. Wow. That game actually sounds pretty fun. It's super fun. Where can you get that and or do it? Um, it ingest it. I know that. Get it in your life. You can buy it on the internet. Um, I believe my friend bought it from a comic shop in Ann Arbor. I'm not sure if it's available around here or not. Hmm. But it's uh, pretty good. I know it's available You can for purchase on Amazon and things like this. I'd love to play that because I'm not allowed to play Cards Against Humanity anymore. Apparently, I get a little too real with that game, so (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of this this program. Uh, Thank you very much for inviting us into your ears. Uh, If you would like to follow us at Raving Geeks on Twitter, please do so. You will get a nice shout-out at the beginning of the next episode. Uh, As of right now, I'm not sure if we're going to be doing one next week or not for the spring break. Uh, that's still kind of up in the ears, but but uh, Tyler's pointing at himself, so I don't know. I'm I'll be talk. here. I'll talk for an hour and a half. I alone. will also be in Kelsey, town. Kelsey and I can talk for an hour and a half. Okay, yeah, we well, don't we'll need be you back guys. then. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat network. <laughs>